0: Brie, what's the boldest thing you've ever done? Like, have you ever propositioned a guy? Did you call Auntie a bitch? Or was it more along the lines of wearing white after Labor Day?
1: Oh, wow. Um, I don't know. Let me think. Um, Oh,
0: so this one time I told my mom- Of course this involves Auntie. What's that supposed to mean? How can it be bold if you had to get Mommy's permission? You didn't even let me finish. Sorry, sorry. Please finish. (sighs) Do you remember that weekend
1: trip that we took to the Capitol for the Mathlete State Final senior year of high school? Yeah. Do you remember that I had food poisoning and couldn't go to dinner Saturday night? Yeah. Well, I ordered a dirty movie in the hotel room.
0: Wow, that is bold for you. I'm impressed. But you told your mom? No, (laughs) I told her you did it and I
1: was covering for you. By the way, you owe my mom $29.99 plus tax. I don't think she's compounding interest. Pray!
0: Hey there, it's Pooja, and she's Rashi, and we're Late Bloomers, the web series, the podcast. Today, we're going to talk about episode two of Never Have I Ever, Had Sex with Paxton Hall Yoshida. This episode was directed by Tristam Shapiro, who also directed the pilot, and written by Justin Noble, who mostly has credits working on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. So Rashi, I have a question for you. Okay. Do you have any recollection of the first time you had a really lurid sexual fantasy? Mm,
1: I don't think I remember a specific one, but I bet you it involved Eddie Furlong from Terminator 2.
0: <laughs> I I remember a bright sunny afternoon Coming home from the grocery store with my family and looking over at a grove of trees and for some reason just really needing to feel Luke Perry's body (laughs) (laughs) on top of my adolescent one. So here's the deal. I found another connection between Luke Perry, may he rest in peace, to this show. Can you guess what it is?
1: Mm, well, Paxton doesn't really have a five head, so it can't be bad.
0: No, but it has to do with Paxton. Like Paxton, Luke Perry was also in his 30s playing a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: moving on to the Cold Open, the show begins with Davey sitting in bed, reading a book called After by Anna Todd. And there's a knock at the door. So tell tell us all about After by Anna Todd, because (laughs) I I just glossed right over it. But you found some great info on this.
0: I looked it up because that's what I do. So first of all, um, it's about a girl named Tessa who falls for a boy named Harden who she meets her freshman year in college. And I just have to read the this description. But he's also rude, to the point of cruelty even. For all his attitude, Tessa should hate Harden. And she does, until she finds herself alone with him in his room. Oh my god, I feel like that's foreshadowing Ben Gross. That's on the Amazon page. And once again, I'd like to say, I'm not here for it. Also, I read on the Wikipedia page for this book that it was inspired by One Direction and Harry, High, Harry Styles fan fiction. So, yes. yeah, so, you know, it's, it's greatness <laughs> all around. Mm-hmm. It's a young uh, adult romance novel, so it has nothing for either of us.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so I think we left off with a knock at the door. And Davy believes it's her mom, so, you know, hides the book and is like, Mom, I'm I'm completely asleep right now. And the door opens. And who is it but Paxton Hall Yoshida? Somehow has made it up the stairs to Davy's room. (laughs) (laughs) And commenced sexual fantasy. Paxton is able to remove his shirt in one swoop. With one arm, I think. Uh, So, yeah. Check out Instagram. There is a challenge of people trying to do this, and nobody can. Then goes
0: the seduction.
1: Pooja, do you want to tell us about the seduction a bit?
0: Oh, yeah. So he lays, on, lays it on thick. He tells her she's pretty just the way she is, essentially. Well, echoes of Mark Darcy from Bridget Jones's Diary, which if you know your rom-com history you know an homage when you see one there is a, uh, a a couplet of uh of compliments that come from Paxton's mouth to Davy's ears would you like to uh to share what they were
1: oh they're fantastic he tells her that she's pretty like Priyanka Chopra and has the incisive intellect of Ruth Bader Ginsburg <laughs> <laughs> But you, you know what? Like Remembering what she said in her prayer, she wanted a dummo. Yeah. But in her yeah. fantasy, he knows who RBG is.
0: Yeah. And he also has the skill level to remove a shirt with one hand. So props to Paxton. Um, mm-hmm. But also, yeah, he, uh, if he was cast for, uh, for this scene, I understand why. Um, it was very nice. Good job, young man. Very, very, very good job. <laughs> so
1: they're now hanging out in Paxton's garage and he speaks fluent Japanese. He's talking to his grandfather on the phone. Um, I'm. Did you, does Davey think that's hot or just we think that's hot?
0: I think we think that's hot. I don't know if she even registered it. I think, uh, McEnroe says something along the lines of, oh, Yoshida makes sense now, but Darren Barnett is uh, also part Japanese, and so he presumably also speaks fluent Japanese, so I, you know, that's two for two in Paxton's column in this episode.
1: <laughs> yeah. After the credits, we find Baby talking to Dr. Ryan, her therapist, about how hot people don't have problems.
0: And when Dr. Brian, you know, asks her to get on track. She wants to talk about what's important now, and that's popping her cherry. She can speak about her dead dad any old time. So therapy's going well for her.
1: Doesn't she (laughs) say something to the effect of he's always going to be dead?
0: We arrive at school and Eleanor has created a musical montage apology on behalf of her and Fabiola for keeping the fact that she was dating Oliver Martinez and not, did not tell Davy. So what was the reaction to this wonderful piece of friendship?
1: Davy was like, oh, it's all good. I don't care. It's fine. I'm over it. And Eleanor asked him if she could please play it for her because it took a lot of time to make this montage. <laughs> uh, and we actually never get to see it, which I found a little bit devastating. Little, little tiny nugget that they put in there. Where during this conversation, Fab kind of gets lost looking over at a pretty blonde girl. I think that's our, our first maybe overt clue that um, Fab isn't like the other girls.
0: Davy then drops the bomb about Paxton. And they think that she's delusional. Like right after apologizing, they're like, okay. We take a break from high school. And we pivot over to the Vishwa Kumar house where Kamala and Nalini are taking down tubs of saris.
1: For what? This is for um, Kamala's interview with her possible in laws. I, I did air quotes there. Sorry, I know that wasn't transcended <laughs> audio. But, uh, you know, she wanted to wear what she had on, which was like a cute American outfit. Which she said the Today Show said it was a nice mix of casual and professional. It was a <laughs> blazer with jeans. <laughs> <laughs> and Naomi's not only is having any of it. She was like, You need to, you know, look proper and blah blah blah. So she's getting down the the nice saris. and what happens except Mohan's little Vespa scooter thing falls on Kamla.
0: And that triggers a flashback with Melini. So she is thinking back to when Mohan purchased this Vespa. He called it his hog, uh, his, his wild ride. One thing in particular about this reminiscence stuck with me was, you know, he invited her on a fun ride and, and she said no. And he calls out after her, but I'm your Matthew McConaughey. Um, if Davy knew that, would she call him too Indian? You know, she called Kamla that after the flashback, Kamla suggests that they sell the AC. I mean, sorry, I gave the joke away. Kamla suggests that they sell the scooter, and with the extra money, they could afford to turn the AC on, to which Nalini says,
1: There are people in Siberia who would kill to be this hot.
0: There's two for the culture things right there. I think that we could talk about the first being Indian clothes and tubs. And then also the reluctance to turn on the AC. We're back at school.
1: This is, what do they call this little spot? The hot pocket? A little area outside where all the um, popular hot guys hang out. Baby approaches him at lunch and asks when they're going to get together in his garage and he says how about today she was she seems quite surprised that it would happen so quickly and she luckily has orchestra so she says she can't as it turns out she goes to orchestra gets triggered because orchestra was where she was um when her father died From there, ends up running off and straight to Paxton's car. Of course, his car is a Jeep because he's a hot guy from high school and all hot guys from high school have a Jeep.
0: Before we get to the the titillating events of Paxton's garage, I want to point out here (laughs) that in this orchestra scene, there was a scene that made no sense to me and I kind of have a bone to pick with it. So in it. The actor, will find out in a later episode, the character's name is Eric. So Eric is sitting there and he is thus far the only fat person in the show. It's only episode two with speaking lines. And he says, he makes a big deal about there being, he smells shit in the room. And I don't know, like him and the band teachers just have this back and forth. And I don't know what this scene was for, I wasn't sure if Eric was bullying somebody passive-aggressively, or if somebody's bullying him. Like, I have no clue what the purpose of that scene was.
1: Yeah, I um, I couldn't tell, like, like, he, like if he was bullying, was it like somebody with, like, a colostomy bag who can't help it? Or, like, it, there was just, there just didn't seem to be a purpose to this scene. Like, it it was just some, like, weird stalling. For you to see the anxiety rising on baby's face before she had the panic attack and like ran out.
0: Yeah, yeah. We could have used that time for more Paxton Hall Yoshida. I, there was like a, a, tra- a trapezius muscle I didn't catch the first time. Mm-hmm. So something like that. Anyway, so now we're on to <laughs> the garage.
1: Paxton offers her a drink and uh, I believe it ends up being a beer, which she's like, what? Whoa. Uh, oh, yeah, one of these. Um, <laughs> she, you know, just kind of freaks out and panics, jumps up, um, cuts her leg on a swimming trophy and tells him that she has to go home to sign for a package um, and she can't stay and have sex with him tonight, maybe another time. The package, she says, is for her mom's polio medication. <laughs> Luckily, Paxton's dumb. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she wanted a dum dum. So, I think karma visited Davy immediately. She was over there for naughty things and she lied about her mother's polio status to get out of there. So, on her way home, she sees her mother is meeting with what Davy terms a low rent Luke Wilson <laughs> in the driveway to purchase Mohan's Ves, you know, Vespa. And She thought she could drive it. She's almost 16. And Nalini is trying to lay down the law. And then Davy calls her mom a bitch in front of a stranger in front of their house. Nalini turns around as Davy's already storming off and says, yeah, you better go to your room before I give you a smack. And then she turns and justifies herself to the neighbor. We'll get more into that later on in the episode. Right here, Rashi, can I ask you a question? Obviously, you never called your mom a bitch to her face because you know how I know that you're alive today. What are the actual real world consequences of a brown person calling their brown mother a bitch?
1: Oh, that's nuclear. That's the death penalty. And if your mom doesn't kill you, your dad will. Yeah. And if your dad doesn't kill you, your mom's sister will or your mom's brother or like your nanny will throw a chappal from India and it will hit you and you will die.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then everybody will look at you at disappointment that your mother tried so hard, but she raised such an ungrateful Americanized wench. In so, this day
1: and age, what would happen is every, everybody on the uh, family WhatsApp would just send the, the picture of the butcher knife, the little, <laughs> the little emoji of the knife, and you'd be dead. You'd be canceled.
0: You'd be from canceled. The family, from the from family. family.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man, that would be terrible. Well, depending on whether or not you like your family, we don't know. All right. So yeah. after we do that, we see the next day, the punishment that Nalini has given Davy, is she won't prepare bagel bites for them. Mm -hmm. So uh, she won't make them snacks for studying. But what exactly are they studying?
1: Um, They are studying how to have sex because they don't know how. Um, I believe the line is, we're smart and idiots are banging all the time. So they're trying to become self-taught. Um, And rather than maybe going the easy route and watching some pornography, which maybe would be too hardcore in the, you know, in the first place, maybe would take them a little bit in the wrong direction. They're looking at the Wikipedia for how to do Kegels. (laughs) And then we have a bit with um, some teddy bears to learn uh, the names of sexual positions.
0: Yeah, they start off real simple with, you know, missionary reverse cowgirl and then they got to they finished with something called the the trust bird where i'm not going to describe what these poor teddy bears were asked to do but we are a hard hitting serious podcast one of us has a master's degree in journalism and so she looked up (laughs) Uh Uh (laughs) what the sex move was the trust bird so now we have a question about is it the closed captioning got it wrong and it's not trust with a t but it's trust like what you do to a bird before you stick it in the oven what did we find
1: (laughs) (laughs) well i believe it is the latter it is the thanksgiving trust t-r-u-s-s-e-d um where some portion of you is bound in one way or another and then some other part of you is stuffed. <laughs> 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 and I'm assuming here that you are either a woman or
0: I guess anyone with a hole. <laughs> <laughs> Your flashlight can't do this because I think you need arms. <laughs> mm, yeah, 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 yeah. Not just a hole. Yeah, you need
1: something more. Yeah. Um, but uh seem too crazy i just now we accidentally came upon something called the bird which was very crazy and i don't know if you want to hear about that maybe i'll put we should put that in the outtakes
0: (laughs) i mean hey hey here let's let's try something though describe it without being dirty (sighs)
1: so the majestic bird flies high in the sky are her mouth open, (laughs) anus free, (laughs) arms flapping, flapping, flapping. And there's five people involved in this, the bird, and then another four. So (laughs)
0: let your imagination run wild. What they're looking up in the in this scene here, I feel the kind of stuff that teenage girls worry about, which is, you know, am I going to be good at this? Am I going, you know, is he going to like it? Is she going to like it? You know, are they going to like it? Whatever, you know, the, but just that feeling of, you know, mortification, of apprehension. Do I know how to get railed in a way <laughs> that my partner will enjoy and want to rail me again? So I I don't know what to make of that the kegels, um, the floor strengthening exercises, the the drills on how to be drilled. Um, you know <laughs> I don't I don't know <laughs> I don't know what to make of that. I wish it was more sex positive. I don't know how to for them to do that without it being dirty. Let me speak because you got to know what you like. La- you know you got to know what it feels like to know what you like. Right. Yeah. One of life's
1: big secrets is that. At 18 or 17 or 31 or whatever Paxton is, <laughs> at 17 or 18, like the wind could blow and that would do it for a guy. Like, you yeah. don't even have to try at that age. Shame is when you're closer to 40 and you're like, I know I'm good at this. I know I'm not good at <laughs> this. I've been doing it for years. I have a PhD in
0: this. And what is wrong? And also, sometimes you recognize that you just want to lay there. Missionary all the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> there is nothing wrong with
1: mm-hmm. that. It sometimes reminds it me of right. um, Tom Hanks in in Big where he, so? see, where he sees the uh, bunk bed and he's like, I call top. Because <laughs> when I'm feeling real lazy, I like to call bottom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Speaking of awkward, we move on to Kamla's formal wedding
1: interview. Uh, so Kamla has a Skype interview. Not not the good kind where you don't wear pants. She's on the very stressful kind with the parents of her proposed fiancé. And Nalini's just off screen watching her like a hawk, making sure she's saying all the right things, asking about the weather, and don't be too interesting, but be interesting Finally, um, Nalini jumps in, you know, to, to help out. And I didn't catch this, but I know you said that Nalini pulls her hair back when she jumps
0: on screen. Uh, she pulled it back with one hand so she can address her elders and not, you know, I guess look shaggy. I don't know the purpose of that. Yeah. I, I I remember being told all the time, put your hair up, put your hair up. So I don't know, maybe it was a vanity thing. I'm, I'm not too sure. And for a...
1: Bob Indian mom. She has gorgeous hair. She really does, and it's always done, she really does. and it's fantastic.
0: Yeah, yeah. So okay, but well, the funniest part of this interview was the naming of dishes that Kamala can cook. Yeah. Right? She's Dosa, getting idli so... sambar, and of course she's vegetarian. But she made the confession that I do sometimes. Eat eggs. <laughs> and again Melini's like no 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 uh, that is the catchphrase of her favorite TV show <sighs> so, I do eat egg is the did I do that of uh, see marriages <laughs> we're back at school real quick Davy has to get some stuff out of her locker her locker happens to be next to the old ben gross and they're having their little but at this point signature back and forth um interaction where she's putting on some lip gloss and he tells her be careful you don't want that makeup to catch in your mustache. <laughs> that's so mean. I yeah, it's mean. I hate him, but that's a sick burn. That was <laughs> solid work there. <laughs> <laughs> That's right to the heart of every Daisy girl's anxiety. In retaliation, she, you know, brags that she's about to get railed and calls him a virgin and starts off.
1: We move on to the next scene back at the Vishwa Kumar house where Nalani's talking to someone on the phone about buying uh, Mohan's scooter. And just seeing the scooter and thinking of letting it go sends her into a flashback of a time, of a darker time earlier in their marriage when it appears as though she's had a miscarriage and he's trying to cheer her up Um, and he's telling her, come on, let's go outside, let's get some fresh air, it'll help you feel better. And she says to him, I don't want to feel better, you know, and he's trying to convince her that we already have one beautiful daughter, you know, we have a perfect family, we are perfect just the way we are. And so how, I'm not sure exactly how, but he convinces her to leave the house. And the next thing we see is her clinging onto him on the back of this Vespa. He tells her, don't worry about a thing, darling.
0: I had the bike blessed at the temple. I remember getting my cars blessed at the temple. Um, I remember specifically having to drive over four lines. Mm-hmm. And they crack a coconut on episode. your license plate. I think they did. And then my car was white. And, you got the red you know. tika. <laughs> Yeah. Oh. do
1: it all over. You know what? I always had dried flowers in my car from the temple. And like, every time we'd leave, you know, with the prasad, you would get fruit, yeah. nuts, and flowers. I would always leave the flowers on my dash. And then so I'd always
0: have dried flowers up there. I also leave things from the, the temple in my car, but, you know, on accident. At Davy's tryst, she's heading over to Paxton's. She's on a scooter. Uh, she drops it in the middle of the street, and he comes running up to her all sweaty. And I got to make a note about the costuming here. I was really appreciative of the opposite that they were playing with. Davey's wearing a gray sweatshirt with black stars and Paxton's wearing a gray sweatpants with black and white camo on it. So I feel like that kind of, you know, signaled to us, the audience, like, hey, they're a mismatched pair and let's see what they're gonna do with each other. So we go into the garage and Davey, well, before we go into the garage, she says something that just made me crack up. You have not been able to say the word sex out loud with confidence. He ran away when he put his um, hand on, your hand on his chest yesterday. After, you know, he says, I've been on a run. And she goes, so what, you you need to stretch or are you good to go? I'm like, yo. Quite the flex, baby. So they go inside and she's sitting there in a very, I would say precarious and not provocative pose. The most confident thing she said, was that she, you know, where's the ladies' room? I need to freshen up. So, you know, I don't pee in the middle. Oh, teenagers. What did that Kegel page tell her? She goes into the bathroom to freshen up and. And she runs into
1: Paxton's sister, Rebecca. And Rebecca asks for her opinion on some outfits. She's going to the movies with some friends and she wants to know which one's the cooler one. She has a job at Old Navy, we learn. Uh, Davey helps her pick one out. And as this exchange is finishing up, Paxton walks in, freaks out, gets upset with Davey, thinking she's snooping around the house, takes her out to the porch, and then immediately starts projecting all his feelings onto her. Did you think that I was afraid of you finding out about my sister because I'm ashamed of her? blah, 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 all of this type talk. Uh, Good to note here that uh, Rebecca uh, has Down syndrome. From here, Davy just takes off and goes back to her house looking kind of confused, kind of crushed. This is a very interesting exchange. What do you think?
0: Uh, First of all, Lily D. White is the actress portraying Rebecca. And I think this is one of the highlights of this episode in that it is... As the portrayal of somebody with Down syndrome, you have her being independent, her being confident, her, she got a couple of savage digs in at her brother's sex life as well. And so I think it's interesting in the sense that it's supposed to reveal a lot about Paxton and who he is as a person. Later we find out why he is like this, but I just think that the way it was directed and the way that Davy handled it, not that there's anything to handle, she treated this person like a human being, and you just don't often see that. Especially on teen shows, it's either, it's either the over-kindness or the cruelty. So it's just mm-hmm. nice to see formality, and I appreciate it. It's the very next day, we see that uh, Davey tries to go to the hot pocket again to uh, explain to Paxton what was going on. And unlike the last time, she he does not acknowledge her. He, in fact, ignores her. Mm-hmm. Then her girlfriends think that she banged him because she's glowing and she lets that lie ride. I, I don't, this part, I bet was kind of weird.
1: Um, usually female friends are more in tune to what's going on with each other. I, I think like if you're really good friends, you know, like you can tell when your friend's off and not doing okay. Um, yeah. I would imagine that day she was not doing okay. It, it's just uh, it, to me, it was a little weird that her best, best girlfriends wouldn't pick up on that. But she does glom onto this line of something that Eleanor says to her of, you know, you have turned from the girl in school that everyone was sad for to be the one everyone will be jealous of because you had sex with Paxton. And I think that's kind of why she keeps that lie going, right? Of like, she doesn't want to be pitied anymore.
0: yeah. I mean, I guess she's also projecting here if you want to get technical with it. Mm-hmm. So she, we go through her day. She's sitting behind Paxton in his class. She, he does not acknowledge her. Mr. Shapiro is asking, you know, who were the seven types of people that the Nazis wanted to exterminate? He calls on baby. She gets all but the Romani. Ben gets it correctly because, you know, that's what he does. Davy mumbles, she's asked to repeat the mumbles, the mumble happened to be that she wished the Nazis had killed Ben, and off to Principal Grubbs we go. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, it's in the principal's office that baby finally has some kind of emotional breakdown, and she says, you know, maybe maybe I don't deserve to be happy, I'm sorry. And the principal looks a little shocked and is like, uh, why don't you guys work it out and don't tell your parents? And so she and Ben have a nice exchange in the hallway where he opens up to her a little bit,
0: and this is he recognizes that she didn't have a good date the night before, yeah, but, you know there's that. I also find it real funny that after Davy has her meltdown in front of her worst enemy, <laughs> the principal, she you know where she's crying and she's in tears, Ben. <laughs> Apropos of nothing, looks at Principal Krebs and says, I'd like to drop the charges. (laughs) I love that look the principal gives him back. Like, okay, Karen. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, So, you know, she uh, actually, David does apologize to Ben sincerely after that in the hallway. So I think there were some amends made there. We now Mm -hmm. meet Kamla and Steve and they are making out and then she dumps him and tells him that family honor duty propel her to accept this fate and acknowledges that they were only dating three months and she has not told her parents about him. It's funny that he seems a little bit shocked
1: by that, but I would think in his culture, it's probably the same way too. Like you don't tell your parents about somebody who's only been dating for three months. Most people don't. That's
0: not that important. (laughs) That's just a quarter. There hasn't even been a season change yet. It's Mm -hmm. not important. You don't know if you love each other through allergy season or not. Like, what's Mm -hmm. the point?
1: Right? So next, baby comes home from school and is asking for mom and said, you know, like, she wants something to eat, even though the fridge is full of food and leftovers (laughs) and snacks and quesadillas and hummus and popcorn and whatever else. There's nothing to eat. Um, she was like, "I know you're here. Your car's outside. Uh-huh, fake let's, out. Yeah, which lets us know exactly where she is. On the damn scooter, riding down. What is uh, what's that nice highway in California called? PCH. Yeah, that one. Yeah, I was I was getting that mixed up with the uh, the PCT, the one that <laughs> Cheryl Strayed had a adventure on.
0: After that, they're having taco night, and. Kamla and Davey are sitting at the table, and Kamla is not in a good mood. She has to break up with old Steve. And so Davey makes the comment that the lemonade is sour. And Kamala says, well, don't drink it then. And then Nalini comes in, announces the scooter is hers. She's going to hide the keys, no questions asked. And then she tastes the lemonade, and she said, oh, my God, Kamla, it's sour. So I'd just like to point out here that life gave Kamala lemons. And She made sour lemonade. So. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think of it as
1: bitter ass lemonade.
0: <laughs> then, in a twist of fate, one Mr. Paxton Holly and Sheeta shows up at the front door.
1: Oh, Nalani lets Davy uh, talk to him for a short bit of time while she's like basically watching from the window. And um, he comes by to apologize and explain how. Um, protective of Rebecca that he is and how, you know, he thought that that was probably what was at play there because he used to sit by her bed with a Nerf gun. He's got a blind cat now because because of it. (laughs) You know, she accepts the apology and then asks about, you know, you want to meet up in your garage tomorrow? And he's like, you know what? No, I think it got weird. And she's like, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, I was just about to say that. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, like, see you at school. (laughs) Um. And Paxton sees Melanie peeking through the curtains, and he's like, "Sorry about your polio, Doctor Vishal Kumar." And she's like, "What?"
0: <laughs> she also says, "No laughing." Um, <laughs> when they were outside, <laughs> no. Laughing. So I think that this episode ends very sweetly with Davy going inside and Paxton walking away, and he does the classic rom-com leading man thing and does the old turnaround to watch her walk away so that's the end of this episode okay so now we're at the part of the episode where we're going to talk about what was for the culture and what was for the colonizers so for the culture moments this week i think it's the small things this week that made up you know that were the easter eggs so to speak the first one that comes to mind is the lakshmi calendar on the fridge that we see Mm -hmm. when there's nothing in the fridge i i grew up with a a calendar from um the convenience store the indian store or the temple from you know on, on that fridge all year long so what about you what was your further culture moment
1: mine was um the little red thread on the on the bike i i know we already discussed things that we've had blessed at the temple um i think that don't they do like buying a new house pujas and stuff Where you can have the pundit come to your house and do all that stuff like i i liked that that moment and that that string was still on the bike um yeah i like that um Because what do you have any traditions about what to do with the thread? Like, if it's on your wrist, what to do with it after? Like, I've always been told to, like, bury it or, like, you know, you can't just chuck it in the trash. You have to do something special with it.
0: Burying, I didn't hear of until I was an adult. It was always, it has to go in the river. It has to, if you get rid of it, it has to go in moving water. Yeah, I think I always threw it in canals. They technically moved. I don't, you know. What would would we
1: have done growing up in Texas where hardly anything moved? And they were all man-made lakes.
0: (laughs) I'm I'm guessing my mom kept all of them until we went to our annual, you know, trips to Dinosaur Valley Park or the Trinity River or wherever we went as a family. I'm guessing she kept them all until (laughs) she could get rid of them, so. Okay, so the other section for the colonizer section, what did you think catered to the Western or white gaze this week?
1: Uh, I'm still stuck on this arranged marriage thing. It's not a storyline that I like. I feel like it's really hackneyed and overdone. And I was just thinking this week about how many times I've been asked if I had an arranged marriage. How many times have you been asked if you were going to have one or if you had one
0: i i I don't know. I think I very strongly give off the vibe that i I would not be participating in that part of the culture <laughs> so I'm not, I, don't, I can't recall that I've been asked about an arranged marriage purposefully, I think, in conversation with other um you know Indian, brown or diasporic brown people it has come up when we're having group conversations like what are your parents doing are you know are they on shoddy behind your back type of thing what about you
1: um i i feel like i have been asked multiple times that if my marriage was an arranged one and no it wasn't like i think there are a lot of cultures um to include jewish culture that have arranged setups or arranged meetups like hey here meet this person up to you what happens after that All we can do is make the introduction. Um, Yeah. And then it's your choice. It's not an arrangement. And
0: I don't know. I just. I just feel like there was such an opportunity here. Well, there is a missed opportunity here to maybe cover group dates Mm -hmm. instead of, you know, the marriage thing. It could be there's a group of. People at Caltech and their parents, you know, found each other, and y'all, y'all are all forced to go on group dates together. That there's so much comedy mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. you know, rather than this trip. I agree with you. That's the comedy for sure. I think mine this week is definitely going back to the bitch encounter. Melini's immediate reaction is to turn around and tell the neighbor, you know, a smack is considered a uh, proper form of discipline in many, or acceptable, sorry, in many, quote, minority cultures, unquote. So if we look at the totality of the world, white people are technically the numerical minority. That, so the languaging here, I have a problem with because I think we have a tendency to um, minoritize people of color for no good reason, other than we were once called minorities mm. and the, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're not the dominant voice. We're the minority voice. And so I don't think that's applicable once, you know, the world is interconnected by the internet. And so if you think about what you were saying earlier, you know, white culture, American culture is such a small subset of the cultures of the world. And so to say minority culture, to a white person about you know i i i 100 understand what you know this is not saying child abuse is okay because you're of a different culture that is not what i am saying i am saying just the phrase minority culture bothers me and i think that does more harm than good because it wasn't you know it's
1: kind of it's kind of a funny joke but that takes away from it
0: so now moving on to things that were positive that we want to see more of. I think, and I think this is both of our choices this week mm-hmm. is Brownlow. I want to see more Sendhill and more um, Burna. And I know those aren't their characters. M- Mohan and Malini, they were so good. Rashi, they were so good. That in this flashback scene. was the best scene in the entire show. better yeah. than Paxton
1: it- taking off his shirt in one, oh my
0: god one quick swoop one impossible swoop. Mm-hmm. i just there was so much to be said about the nuance of the acting here and i hope i hope what was on screen is true in the sense that the two of them are just so well seasoned and so good at what they do that that felt like so that felt like such a natural interaction between a husband and a wife during that moment the moment Sandhill opened that door and looked at her, his face contorted in pain. And you previously made note that, um, you know, he did something to get her to go on the bike. And all he did was whisper, trust me and the strength of their relationship, you know, told her, Hey, he has my best interest at heart here. I'm going to trust him. Yeah. So okay, I wax poetic. What did you love
1: about it? Um... I loved seeing a little glimpse into the life that they had and the life that she lost too, because it's not, not, not just baby's loss. Like it wasn't just you lost a father. Um, She lost her husband and it, it looks like not, I don't know if that was an arranged marriage or
0: not, but they look like they really loved each other. Her reclaiming that Vespa for herself I'm branding it without it even being the brand but you know her reclaiming that for herself I feel like she just reclaimed part of her life you know with that move like I'm no longer going to be in mourning I'm going to be in celebration yeah you know I I think that was if that was not the intent that's how Mm -hmm. I took it and I liked it yeah
1: so what did you find problematic about this episode because I think it was the same thing again for both of us. <laughs> I have in my notes Hi! that this Hatha is turning out to be Bella from Twilight. Ooh, how so? Um, I think it was in the second book where Bella kind of gave up on all of her girlfriends in order to just, like, pine over a guy all the time. Mm. And then started mm-hmm. doing, like, reckless, dangerous things. And... um just so self-absorbed without even realizing it and just bringing everyone down in her pain and her misery
0: yeah i have in my notes that i is still unlikable and then i also have in my notes i understand that she is in a ptsd situation and that she is going through something but that does not change the fact that she's very unpleasant to be around (laughs) <laughs> and what makes it mm-hmm. worse is that i mm-hmm. feel like dr ryan is checking her Unsuccessful. yes so yeah i think yeah, what you said in the last episode is true that she probably has to hit rock bottom before she gets better mm-hmm. what were there any standout scenes performances jokes from this episode that that you wanted to highlight Mm, we
1: already went over the flashback, which was incredible.
0: Um, I think for me, it's substantially less John McEnroe. Yeah. Really good this episode. So keep that
1: directive on. Okay, you know, now we One come thing to- that I'm missing before we move on is that Min- uh-huh. when Mindy writes an episode, it has a lot of quick funny, quippy one-liners. And right. it's, you know, a little more clear when it's not her writing that it's, you don't get those. Like there was yeah. significantly less stuff that I quoted in full this time when I took notes on this.
0: Yeah. Although that initial garage scene between Kamla and Malini was, was a highlight. Some- yeah, yeah, I
1: think that came in second yeah. to the flashback. For
0: sure. So Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but you're right, there isn't a lot of, uh, except for the mustache line, there is a lot of, I think, plotting happening in this mm-hmm. episode, like setting the scene for a lot of Yeah. Stuff. Okay, so speaking of plotting and setting the scene, uh, what do you think is going to happen to Daisy going forward? Um,
1: I still believe she has more slides to go until she hits rock bottom. Um, I don't even think it'll be the next two or three episodes. It'll, it's gonna be, well, it's gonna be the height of the season. So I don't know, seven, eight, nine, somewhere in there. Um, and from there she'll bottom out and then hopefully she will start to grow and she'll get better.
0: Yeah, I think definitely included in that slide is she's going to become a bad friend um, to, to these girls. Mm-hmm. Just a, the just a, a vessel of the apology. Um kind of, you know, yeah. that's the thing. Yeah. What about No what about Nalini? I just I just want to know more about her. Um
1: more backstory. Um, how's she coping? Um and, and her relation to Kamala. Um their relationship's a little bit weird to me. Like, is that um is Kamala related to Mohan or is Kamala like her own cousin? Like how is this relation? Because if she's related to Mohan, maybe she's still you know, trying to please her in laws by helping her get this arranged marriage, even though you know it's probably something that neither of them are interested in.
0: Yeah, that's a very good point. I I think I think that that's probably what what's going to happen with her. And to close out with Kamla, um, <clears throat> I think that she is going to stick with this breakup with Steve, and she is going to you know end up with somebody. What's the type of man who usually seeks out an arranged marriage, you think? Is mama's boys. The, the mama's boys who need somebody I mean, to, everyone uh... except my sons. All the other mama's boys. <laughs> All the <laughs> other mama's boys. <laughs> um, somebody who... My, my perception of arranged marriage is that, you know, or any marriage, is that you have to go in there and you're going in there to supplant his his mother and be his caretaker you know so they need somebody to cook and clean for them and not necessarily companionship type of type of situation so i feel like kamala is going to make that sacrifice and settle for somebody who i don't know needs her to wash his skid marks out of his drawers every other day uh (laughs) just for honor and family So i think that's where she's headed Um, you leave our vice president out of this (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh okay that is uh on that note this has been episode two of the late bloomers the web series the podcast which has been produced and edited by rashi raj and Pooja maharaj until next time flatten that curve
1: y'all stay home please bye, bye. <laughs>